This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 460 for Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week is Stephen ESC, and you can use that name to find him on social media and on Twitch. And I believe, sir, that you've been building some Lego on Twitch. I have, indeed. What's the set again? An out-of-circulation... Mini Cooper, the... Um, Mini Cooper, that's what it was. Trying to remember. I think somebody called it British Racing Green. And I'm not sure if that's an actual color or not, but it's a very deep green color. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's pretty beautiful. I'm pretty pleased with it. So it just nice. finished that off last stream and it's looking pretty... I was going to say pretty something, but it's it's looking pretty on my shelf behind me. <laughs> pretty green. It's looking pretty yeah, fast and green, right. I would imagine. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. And now that you said Racing Green uh, for two reasons. One because I play Forza Horizon 5. Uh, well, actually 4 right. specifically, because 4 was set in the UK. Um, but uh, I, I've i also seen that Lego set probably before it was out of circulation. So I know I know mm. which one you mean now. Uh, and I remember that you mentioned it was the Mini. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad. That, how big is that? Like compared to like the Vespa that you talked about on the um, show before? The Vespa is about... Oh, sorry, the sound goes a little weird. I'm turning around. It's about, it's a, a foot long including yeah. the basket in the back but the uh the mini's probably let's say seven inches ish from front to back okay so a much smaller build considering that it's a car compared to yes. the vespa the vespa is a much larger larger scale yes but i did receive two gift cars <laughs> in the last little while so oh. i have uh the out of circulation volkswagen beetle coming and i have the uh just yesterday or monday i forget now got um ecto one nice so ecto I've one got some some lego streams ahead of me <laughs> that's awesome ecto one looks yeah. like a fun build and that's not a yeah. small one either that feels like it's no a... it's about 18 inches long when it's all done front oh wow yeah so not minifigure scale that's like a proper proper UC, yeah like uce collection or 18 plus kind of lego i can drive it yeah yeah you could <laughs> say yeah 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 ecto one and what was the other car um the blue volkswagen beetle oh the beetles right the volkswagen beetle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll go nice with the Vespa. The, yeah, the agreed. Yeah, yeah. Very what cool. do you? Which one are you working on again? It's the sh the shuttle, isn't it? Yeah. So the Friday Let's Chats, uh, my Lego stream on Fridays has been the NASA shuttle discovery for the last right. three weeks, I think. Yeah. So the first week was all the Hubble telescope, which is the payload or one of the most famous payloads of the discovery. I love that they mm -hmm. put these little tidbits in the book. Um as you're building it there's a little like did you know that like yeah the, the hull of the space shuttle reaches like fourteen thousand degrees on its re-entry is like of course i didn't know that that's cool but like you know they always ask like did you know it's like no <laughs> i'm not a nasa engineer so the chances are no didn't know that um but it's it's the fun funny stuff. thing is when you were stream you were streaming i had you on in the background and i didn't know that you were reading these things on occasion so <laughs> it just in the like background I, I, you're just building stuff and you said 
did you know when you read this thing? I'm like, wow, he's really knowledgeable. And I had, <laughs> I had no idea it was actually in the booklet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're, they're little blurbs. You got to keep an eye out for them as you're building different steps and stuff. Usually, like every bag, there's like one, one little tidbit of, of stuff. And there's also like a big, when you deal with these ones that are like movie-based, you might actually experience this with the Ecto-1 uh, car because mm. um, obviously the people that design them and, and engineer them at Lego are fans and then they're also designers. And so there'll be a blurb at this beginning, like explaining why they made the design choices they did. And then throughout like the, like, for example, when I did the, um, the DeLorean, the time machine for back to the future, there's all these little tidbits about like what was used for what props, the fact that like the Mr. Fusion is really like a blender that's been turned upside down and attached to the car, like <laughs> just stuff like that is, nice. um, is really interesting. Um, yeah. And and so any kind of movie prop, you're going to have all these kind of neat behind the scenes, not like science technical stuff, but just like, you know, uh, they they used to cover the car in dry ice to make it look like it was hot when it came out of like it would always be mm. smoking when it came out of the, the time travel. But they just they put it or they wanted it to look either cold or hot, depending on what it was doing. And they just it was really it was really interesting. I think it was cold. Was really because cool. I think they wanted like the doors. I think I remember the doors opening and there was like ice icicles on them or something like that. But it was uh, it was pretty fun. So I'm doing the NASA the NASA uh, spatial discovery, and right. I'm currently two sessions in, and I'm still only really on the base of the shuttle. I think I've completed like the leading edge of the wings, and that's about mm. it. Uh, it'll how be, big is that when it's done? Oh, 22 inches long. Holy smokes! Oh, it's large. Yeah, I cannot fit it in the shot. As I'm putting pieces like on the main, um, the main. Uh, bed of it um i have to kind of position it in a way that it, it just sort of fits in shot otherwise i can't have pieces what i'm building and the actual model in the shot at the same time it just doesn't fit with the book the book takes up a lot of space too yeah it's um, amazing yeah no it's a lot of fun it's the biggest that i've ever built it's um i think i want to say optimus prime was like 1800 pieces and this is 2300 pieces so this is mm. the largest that I've ever I've ever attempted, but but it's cool. Yeah. And I mean, as you probably know, having just put together um, the mini inside, when they want to do specific spacing or they want to do something, you know, with like the wheels or something like that, they use like different color Lego than you'd expect, right? And it's yeah. it's for clarity of like of the instructions, so that you you put the the bright blue pieces in specific places, so that you can attach something to them later that needs to be important and you never see them because you mm -hmm. know it, at the end it looks like a nice british racing green mini but but you know i'm doing this space shuttle and i've got green pieces i've got beige pieces <laughs> i've got bright red pieces yellow pieces and if you look at the finished model it's all white and black right yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together but so far it's been fun really interesting nice. connections um the landing gear was i think the thing that i put, put together last last time um, so that was really fun. Any kind of mechanism to the landing gear that allows you to lower them or do you have to kind of open them all individually? So at the moment, the rear landing gear appears to have a mechanism, but it's not built yet. Okay. And and then uh, the the front landing gear, the mechanism is really interesting. There's a back flap to the shuttle. And mm. uh, this is just a function of the Lego model. If you put push in on the back flap towards the nose there's a piece of lego plates that is as long as the shuttle and it puts pressure on a spring and then the front landing gear flips down 
look yeah like it's it's really really cool if i if i think of it i'll send you the the moment in the the vod on youtube where like i actually yeah, realize what's going on um and and so it so it doesn't lower the landing gear gradually there's there's a spring that you have to put pressure on by by snapping pieces together and it kind of snaps down but it's interesting because like the tidbit in the assembly instructions was that did you know that the landing gear on the space <laughs> shuttle was only designed to come down once down it can't be retracted right it has to be what? manually put back in for the next okay. shuttle launch right because it's not meant to take off again right like the the shuttle is essentially right. a glider you know a powered glider coming back down to earth to get it back up into space it has to go on a rocket you it doesn't need landing gear to right, like right, right. take off again right um so i just thought that was interesting it was because again like the mechanisms to do that all add weight to the shuttle so it's like well if we don't need it <laughs> then we just won't put it on uh, that's so interesting I, yeah i thought that was that was really really interesting but apparently it did something <laughs> like 40 flights 40 space flights uh the only thing you hear about in the news is like the first one and the last one and anything that's like really cool, like Hubble, but they, you know, like I didn't realize it was 40. <laughs> well, we'll have more Lego uh, to talk about later because uh, <laughs> foreshadowing for, for the internet minute later in the show, but breaking news, you and I were informed by my lovely discord for the Citadel cafe that the Nintendo direct was today and you apparently took it in. I did uh, as best as possible. I have, admittedly, I'm, I have a, a fairly narrow focus on, I guess, the games I'm looking forward to. So there were, there were a number of them that they announced, um, that just, I guess, didn't sort of catch my fancy. Like there's sort of fantasy life and I think there's one called rain code and things had a lot of cool looking, I guess, character design to them. And one that actually looked like it was going to be a really cool and well animated game, but those ended up being the, uh between gameplay shots and then it was just a turn-based thing with a lot of dialogue in it so it just it looked very cool and then it wasn't so right i guess for me the the, the highlights for it for it for me were, were basically um well i was hoping to get more mario kart news because they're you know they're releasing eight new tracks every maybe four or six months now i forget but essentially we bought bought the pass that gives us eight new tracks multiple six times over the course of two years so it's essentially doubling the number of tracks you can play for i think it was just 25 dollars extra wow. so yeah i mean it's it was just as soon as we found out the price it was a no-brainer so the game itself with tax was i think it was around 92 dollars canadian so then to be able to spend i guess 25 plus tax around 30 dollars, and then it's you get essentially a second version of the game on top of it all all built into the same game it's just it's uh totally worth it so they they did announce one track which is yoshi's island it's a new track that's not been on any device before. I'll, they bring back a lot of them. Like they might have a, one from the original Game Boy or Game Boy Advance that they will then convert over to look better and use the mechanics of the current game. Okay. So, And that's what they do a lot of the time. So like the base set for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe includes a lot of previous levels. So every, But every once in a while through these uh, these new releases, they've been including a new a new one. So that's going to be it yoshi island but they have not announced the other seven yet so we have to wait but they introduced birdo which is um not sure if you remember playing super mario brothers 2 when he was uh basically was the dreamscape yep game yep. so birdo's from that and that's uh i think birdo first appeared they said in a, an earlier was it a game boy advance game or something like that either way so birdo's back 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birdo. I know I know who that is now. Yeah. It, I didn't know the name, yeah. but I absolutely recognize the character. Yeah. <laughs> the one that shoots the eggs at you. Yes. Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. <laughs> really? Yeah. You'd like at, at the time when you're playing these games as kids, you're just like, yeah, sure. This is what's up, right? We'll just, we'll keep on going. But then you look back at some of these characters as an adult, you're like, that is an odd looking, <laughs> looks like a Muppet almost. Yeah. Really, really strange. Um, I remember Mario, yeah. Mario 2. I, I do remember Mario 1, but not because I liked it, only because it was all that we had. Uh, and then <laughs> so the true. one that I spent the most time with and have the, the fondest memories of are uh, is the Super Nintendo, the Super Mario World. That's the one with the, the cape and Yoshi. Like, that's my, that's right. my nostalgia jam. Yeah. I do remember spending a lot of time with Super Mario 3, though. The raccoon. Um, the raccoon one. Is the tanu- Tanuki right. suit, I think is what it was called. Tanuki yeah, suit, yeah. I really yeah. liked that one. But again, like it was, the character was bigger. The colors were brighter. Uh, it was still a Nintendo Entertainment System game, but it was it was pretty good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Super Mario World is the one that I really, really like. Super Mario 64 is, I think, one that I spent a lot of time on as well. Whichever the first one was that allowed you to kind of like 3D run around and I don't know that I liked it a lot, but it was the the novelty of it being the first one to do that. I remember really enjoying mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But speaking of uh, the uh, the the older games and the retro side of things, they also announced that um, Game Boy, I believe it's all Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are going to be coming to the Switch as well. So they have got a lot of Nintendo games, a lot of Super Nintendo games, and then they've just... Um, release the game i don't know if they've released them yet i have to go back and check the date but either way game boy and game boy advance games are coming to it as well and so I, i've been telling myself i wanted to go back and play through all of the zelda um legend of zelda games and go back and play through all of the metroid games so the fact that now they're putting the the game boy versions of these in as well if i truly wanted to i could go back and do legend of zelda all the way through up until breath of the wild and and the new one they had a trailer out for the new one again for the tears of kingdom that I think it's the second trailer release, which just looks, it just looks super cool. I always kind of get on the fence about this kind of stuff because I I can appreciate the fact that this stuff is accessible. The games are old enough and they don't require a lot of hardware on Xbox, which is the system that I have. You have a lot of retro games that are either really cheap to buy. They're like five or 10 bucks or they're accessible Mm -hmm. through Game Pass. But I'm sitting there with a top of the line gaming console (laughs) and... I pay monthly for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and I just don't want to sit there and play like Turtles in Time or, you know, some other pixel game. I think it's different for you because you've got the console. Like the, your system is a console and it's hooked up to, what is it a 55 inch? Yes. Yeah. 55. 4K, 4K. screen with like just, yep. yeah. So it's you, you have a brilliant setup to watch high res, really brilliant high action games and really enjoy them where uh the nintendo switch still you could i can do it handheld and you 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 make a good point but the retro games feel very at home when i'm just using them using it in the handheld mode as opposed to having it up on the tv right i can totally see what you mean though having the like the 8-bit games and and i know i've said this before on on i think on stream and probably in the render distance on on the 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 spawn chunks and that's i also get a lot of 8-bit kind of visuals with minecraft and so Mm. i'm usually kind of done with that 
Um, like I was, I tried one called Eastward. It's supposed to be a really quirky story-based game. It's pixel art. You kind of walking around, you know, hitting bad guys with a frying pan. You're some guy that lives in a trailer in a small <laughs> town. It's all really quirky and weird. And you're, you're in a mine. It's like some dystopian future thing. Uh, pixel Rifts right. played it and really liked it. Um, and I'm, I'm playing as like, it's fine, but I'm just like, why am I sitting here doing this on the Xbox when I could load mm-hmm. up something like Forza Horizon 5? And even though there's not exactly a story, I'm kind of just cruising around and racing cars and doing whatever. It's just, it's a lot of eye candy. And I think that you're right. Yeah. Like there's that, there is always that draw of like turning on the, the LEDs behind the TV and have everything glow and react and do stuff. And just, yeah, I, I get, it's, I can see the draw for people that, enjoy the nostalgia games but i just have never Mm -hmm. been into it but i do find to my point that i wanted to make that nintendo and xbox and these the gaming companies especially anything that has gaming as a service they're leaning hard into these we already own these ips these games already exist we Mm -hmm. can just re-release them on these new platforms and while that's great there's a lot of other people out there that want new games that are just like all right, fine. But like, what's new? <laughs> like, what yeah. what are you bringing out that's new? And they don't seem to have a lot these days. They did announce a bunch of them, but it was just, um, just, I don't know, not my thing. They don't appeal to you. It's like me watching, you know, first person yeah. shooters or like zombie, you know, 4v, not 4v4, but like four player co-op horror survive don't get eaten by Dracula games. It's like, mm, I, they, they're all the same. They all look the same. They're all dark. You can't see anything. It's supposed to be scary. Like I just, it's not what I want, you know? I mean, right. every once in a while there's a Halo Infinite or there's a Assassin's Creed Valhalla and, and that's fine. But I just find that they're so far, so far in between. Did anything that Nintendo announced that's new strike your fancy? Like were there games that did catch your eye? I was trying to find the name of it before I came on here, but it, I couldn't, couldn't find it again, but there's one that had a really cool animation. Actually, there was one that they did show just in the slew of them at the end of it, and it looked like black and white drawings okay. of animals kind of going through an adventure together. And I didn't get um, a sense of the gameplay because they were just showing it on the screen, but it looked visually very cool. Just one of those ones that it looks so unusual, but well rendered and well done that I wanted to... I'm going to go find out more about it. There just wasn't enough time between... The Nintendo Nintendo Direct dinner and blah 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 before we could record tonight um, to go and research it properly, but it did catch my eye and it looked very cool. Um, and I guess the other one is Splatoon Three's got some da- um, downloadable content coming in. While, while I don't play it very frequently, my sons love it. So that one, <laughs> I definitely paid attention to that one because it's uh, one that they love and and it did have a cool looking level in it because it's it's sort of Nintendo's first or slash third person shooter game. It's very cartoony, very very fun paintball-y kind of thing. But one of the levels um, that's coming out soon is called Side Order. And it, the world just is just shades of white and gray. And they didn't really get into it a whole lot, but it's interesting because everything that the Splatoon characters, like their weapons are just ink. So I'm, I'm curious to know how like their colorful ink is, how that's going to play into this new world because it looks like nothing else that they've got in the game so far. So I thought it's, well, like I said, I'd, while I don't play the game very much, this really intrigued me. I'm just from a creative side. I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. Interesting. I'm I'm popping onto mm-hmm. the Nintendo Direct site now, and unfortunately, they have the descriptions in big bold letters, but then the titles of the games are all like little images. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> no. a little graphic design of whatever the the cover art is, and 
sometimes like illusion island is like a mickey mouse game and i can read that okay but a lot of the titles are so tiny that i can't make out what they are i was going to fire a couple yeah. of titles at you say was it this one was it maybe that one but i can't even read them so but i see what you mean though about a lot of these look like those turn-based uh 2d animated like lots of cool animations in between the gameplay but not actual actual gameplay like fire emblem and um, yeah. There's a couple of other things that are, are. Oh, there it is, Harmony. That's the one oh, that has very okay. cool character design and animation. Okay, but it was all it was all cutscenes. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. I still might check it out um, if there's a trial for it, just to to see. And I guess the problem, like with with games, though, like if you don't have them on the like the the Xbox Pass, like you're talking about, each one of these are, you know, eighty bucks or eighty something dollars plus tax. So they're just ninety two something or under just under a hundred bucks for a game that you don't know whether you're going to like or not and that's just a lot to shell out for a game so it's that's that is the advantage of the xbox i do have kind of like a, a paralysis of choice when i go through the the game past stuff however they they let you have like a favorites list like you have like a play later mm. list so if you see something and you're like i want to return to that when i'm in the mood for that kind of thing you can bookmark it which is nice right um that is cool but there are some things too that they'll have like in the xbox store and new games a year later you can you can get for like 40 bucks 30 bucks if they're on sale mm. uh, and i have seen some day one titles released for like 40 bucks for xbox because they're into games you know like they're a cool platformer or they're a, a take on a on a shooter that's cartoony or weird or something and so there are some games that come out that are that are cheaper i want to say even the the full titles like i mean some things are part of game pass like say halo infinite but halo infinite was like 69 dollars. it wasn't like 90 i i noticed that when i was looking because mm. i was talking to ryan murphy about it who's has multiple systems and he always just kind of groans when he has to go buy a nintendo switch game because they're so much more expensive <laughs> than say something for they playstation or, or whatever and uh it's it's funny because they're because they're not like they don't it doesn't have the same performance that the xbox or playstation 5 has right xbox series x i should yeah. say oh i found the name of the game it's uh the black and white one's called oh appropriately it's called blanc the french for white oh, okay so it's just yeah on, on the page if you're still there if you scroll to the very bottom there's more games on nintendo switch and oh it shows it. okay you see the little oh i see yes yeah, yeah 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 oh that does look that does look neat and have a nice death that's a black and white game of black and white game as well which looks pretty comical actually I oh i've seen the trailer for, for that uh, the animation in yeah. that looked very very good yeah, so I am looking forward to that one coming out. I, f I forget to mention that one. That that one that one caught my eye again. It made me laugh to see it. Yeah. So I'm I think it'll be a cool one to try it. I'm not always a platformer person uh, because they do feel a little bit retro. But when they're new platformers and they take advantage of all of the things that a new system has to offer, like frame rates mm -hmm. and depth of field and all that kind of stuff. Like Ori in the Blind Forest is a really good example. It's a very simple sort of concept in terms right. of like it's a side scroller, but it is beautiful. And it's, thank you for the reminder yeah and it's bright and shiny and things blow up and like it, yeah it's really it's very very cool uh, also very chill you know um something else mm. that i i meant to ask you uh minecraft legends is is coming to nintendo switch that comes out on april 18th and that yes. is something i don't yet know about cross-platform but that is going to be everywhere that's going to be on pc nintendo switch playstation steam xbox it's part of game pass it's part of pc game pass so i'll have access on both pc and on the xbox but if that's something mm. that is cross-platform then that would be fantastic because that mean would mean that like you and i could team up and do co-op minecraft legends right. like strategy game stuff so that is going to be really interesting to see when that comes out and uh xbox um microsoft did a developer direct 
last week, I want to say. Uh, and the first game that they talked about was Minecraft Legends. Because, of course, hmm. Microsoft owns Mojang Studios, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting that it's coming across to Nintendo as well. And, I mean, to have a game that's... It's not just Minecraft. It's Minecraft in the Minecraft world, but it's a, it's a, it's a strategy game. It's a action strategy, I think, is what they're, they're building it as. So that should be an interesting thing. And, and an opportunity to play with friends where in Minecraft, it's not always possible. Like sometimes everybody has their own creative thing that they're working on. And so to be able to still mm -hmm. be in that cool world, but then have a much shorter game loop, like, you know, it's going to last 40 minutes and then you either play another match yeah. or you play tomorrow, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Should be. Should and be you, you have, a, you have no choice, but to have a common goal because there's a common foe on the go yeah. or, or there's something happening that you got to take care of. So yeah, it's either another player and the piglins or you're just fighting the piglins together. Yeah. I have sort of reserved excitement for that game mm. just because I I haven't played many games like that, so I'm not sure that it's going to be my thing. But I am I do personally I love I wish normal Minecraft was rendered that way. Yeah. <laughs> my son. Mm -hmm. My older son, he just keeps going, Nope, no. The the thing about Minecraft, it's the blockiness. That's where it is. And then and I no, I get it. I get the blockiness. I get it. But I'm also a fan of cartoony stuff. And, yeah. and, and that feels like the perfect mix between and he just keeps going, Nope, nope, gotta have the blockiness out. So no, the thing that I, I split the difference on is um is the rendering. It's the lighting. Right. Yeah. So I don't mind the blockiness of Minecraft. I've kind of come to enjoy it. But I want shadows and sunbeams and atmosphere yep. and lighting and like all of that stuff. That's where Minecraft to me feels dated. Really, really dated. And and that's yeah. where Games like Minecraft Dungeons or, you know, where Minecraft Legends uh, really, really shine. And another thing that they could do to Minecraft without doing any of the rendering is animate stuff properly. You know, uh, one of the complaints that I, we've been hearing on the Spawn Chunks uh, and in the Minecraft community is that the Sniffer, the new Sniffer mob, looks cool. It's really big and it's really, really well animated. And that's not mm. a complaint until you look at a cow. And the cow looks right. <laughs> freaking ridiculous. Like it doesn't even have knees, right? And and you can animate these things to make them look like they have better, you know, joints and things like that. And there are some plugins and, and mods like um, they rely on Optifine. So we don't use them on the Citadel, but there's right. there's a, a, a mod on Hermitcraft or, or a, a data pack that's like better animations. And it makes like, you no, know, the villagers have eyebrows that go up and down and creepers actually look like they're walking. They don't, they're not on a treadmill, you yeah. know, like all that kind of stuff. It's just really simple things. They don't change the model. They don't make it look like a brand new game or anything futuristic. They just like make things have weight and timing and personality. And it d makes a yeah. huge difference. And so I wish we had access to that on, on Citadel, but they don't make it for, for fabric. I don't think, I need to look to see whether there's an option for that. That might be kind of fun. I don't think I have the time to make one. Otherwise I would. Oh, that'd be impressive. <laughs> Well, I mean, just animation background, like there's some stuff like that. When you're only yeah, talking yeah. about like loops uh, and and uh, walk cycles, like it would be fun to kind of get in there and have some have some fun with that. I would start with something small, you know. Um, That'd be really cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, it'd be fun. I always get caught up in like I just don't know how to code that kind of stuff because I would like to do some custom things with just models for for us. Um, but um, anyway. All, all that and more on the last two episodes of the Spawn Chunks, uh, which have been guest have been guest uh, interviews, which I guess is something that I, I good cross promotion. Yeah, I haven't talked about this because we haven't done a show in a month on the Sigil Cafe. But Johnny, my co-host on Spawn Chunks, is traveling, 
Uh, and so uh, Mythical Sausage uh, was in last week. And then this week, uh, FWIP. Um, both of them are Empire's SMP server mates of, of Johnny. Mm. And they came in to fill in okay. as co-hosts on the show. And true to form, Johnny decides to travel and Minecraft drops the biggest news <laughs> in the last <laughs> couple of months with armor trim. Uh, and all the customizations that are that are coming along with it. So Mythical and I had a good talk about that. And then Fwip and I talked about story in Minecraft and building story in the world and touched on some some things um, that changed about uh, Armor Trim as well. But it was it was a couple of fun conversations about all that kind of stuff. And Mythical and I got into some customized modding sort of thing. I Remind me to show you the magical staff that he had commissioned someone to to build him for his Minecraft character. Um, on okay. empires, they all have like, there are kind of RPing as, as emperors or as leaders of their own empire, kings, queens, whatever that happens to be. And, and mythical sausage wanted a, a wizard wand or a wizard staff rather for his character. And he, uh, a very talented artist and modeler made one in it. it. It looks like what you'd expect it to look, but it still looks very much like Minecraft, which is a hard thing to pull off. Cause once you start putting new things, in, new things in Minecraft, they start to look modded really fast. And this, mm -hmm. it's obviously modded, but only because everybody knows it doesn't exist in the game. But if it did, you would imagine this is what it should look like. You know, like it, it has nice. that same sort of design aesthetic that Minecraft does. But anyway, this will turn into a Minecraft podcast if I'm not careful. And there's a whole <laughs> other website for that, folks. To complete the crossover, Lord Valor is actually a member of the community and a fan of the Spawn Chungs <laughs> and a supporter of the Citadel Cafe as a cafe barista and a emailer this week on the Citadel Cafe. The subject of the email is giving the boys another chance. Hello, Joel and Stephen. Happy New Year and thanks for the years of entertainment your podcast has given me and so many other listeners. Well, thanks very much. Nice. Right before the new year, I signed up for Amazon Prime. One of the first things I started watching was The Boys. I first heard about the show from this podcast. Episode 334, published on September 2019, was the last time it was mentioned. So here's my question. Would you guys consider going back and finishing the show? If I remember right, I don't think anyone on the podcast finished it. Though, if I'm wrong, please correct me. The Boys surprised me with how much I enjoyed the storyline, character development, and writing on the show while sometimes hitting very close to real life issues and being super on the nose, it is somehow the most genuine show I've seen. If you have finished the show, I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for all that you do, Lord Valor. Thanks for the email, Lord Valor. I appreciate it. And uh, I love getting emails on the show. It's it's new in the last couple of years that we've been receiving so many emails. So listeners, if you have thoughts, by all means, thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Fire them my way. Happy to hear from you. Uh, I will keep my response short and sweet. I am unlikely to return to the boys. I, I, it's just a, a long running thing with me. I don't generally like anti-heroes. I find shows like the boys that glorify violence and disturbing behavior from the few episodes I've seen. Uh, I don't think I even finished the first season. Um, I just, I, it, it's all written kind of within the skin of pop culture. Superheroes are hot now. Thank you, Marvel. And then they just have a bunch of people acting absolutely horrible to one another. And I, I just, it's not what I want to escape. If I want terrible people, I'll just turn on the news. So that's, you know, <laughs> and I have a hard time even enjoying Deadpool sometimes, you know, like I, I, I like the character. I like some of the jokes, but then I find that they take it too far and it takes me out of what I want from a movie like that. And I just, I flip flop constantly on whether I, I like, you know, Deadpool. I think I like Deadpool, but I don't like Deadpool movies 
or I sometimes don't like Deadpool movies. So it's, it's, I'm at, I'm at right. that love hate relationship. I'm struggling to think about another show that's like anti hero type stuff. It's, which is funny because like you take a show like, or a movie series like John Wick, which I do really like. He's not a nice guy. Mm. He's a murderer. <laughs> like he's, a, he's a hitman, <laughs> but he's, but he's got a code. And I feel like that's the thing that I thought was missing from the boys is either they all are just morally corrupt or if they have a code, it is fucked up. Like they are twisted, <laughs> psychotic, broken people with superpowers. I was like, nope, I don't, I don't need to know what, what happens with this. So, so that's, that's why I was out on the boys. I'm unlikely to return to it. I hear for those that like it, it's good, Right. And, and so I don't, yeah. I don't dismiss it as the show is terrible. I just know it's not for me. I, on the other hand, um, I'm actually a fan of the show and I've watched, I've watched it through all the way so far. So, um, that said, I do agree with Joel. I find it does. I find it overly violent merely for the sake of being violent. Like there's, it's gross and guts and like all kinds of stuff that it just does not need to be shown. Um, I do, however, understand the violence to a degree. Um, just doesn't need to be so visually explicit. It's not that I like to see people injured and people killed and stuff like that, but the idea of superhero movies that you watch with zero collateral damage to people just seems so unrealistic to me. And it's not that I need to see people shot with laser eyes by Superman or or accidentally shot. Like I was watching a movie a little while ago, you know, they're just trying to get the bad guy. And so they're just shooting at the bad guy, but clearly those bullets that are missing are going to fire off into some building in the background. Um, but they just, they never address that kind of thing. And so there's, there's something I do appreciate about including some sort of collateral damage in the fight between these super beings, because it's just, it's what would happen. And so, or if, and if you're not going to show it, like you don't need to show it entirely, but just, you know, there's a lot you can just cut away when things happen. They do that in other movies, and I don't know why they don't do it. He don't do it here. So, I don't know. But it's 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 one of those things where I, if they would just tone it down, then then I I don't think I'd have a problem at all with the show. It's sort of like on the lines of Invincible. You you weren't a huge fan of that right. because it's of its gratuitous violence yeah. as well. And and I agree that that is over the top. But that one in my mind i sort of see it the same way it's like that's the sort of stuff that would happen when you have two invincible godlike characters battling each other without any real regard for the people around them stuff's gonna fall people are gonna die it's just but it seems i guess in the stuff that i've seen and watched it seems rarely addressed a couple of times in the marvel movies with like the uh because of the, with the sokova cords and things yeah. like that but it just felt like it was it was rare it was just all of these big things crashing and just, I don't know, felt like it was rarely addressed. So um, I, I do really like how the show explores the kind of the corrupt underbelly of the supers uh, because they're basically unstoppable. So they get all of these product deals, TV shows, and movies. They can basically get whatever they want because <laughs> who's going to say no to somebody who would just vaporize you in a second kind of thing? So it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting storyline in the fact that you find out, if you're not going to go back to it, I mean, can I give you Oh, spoilers? I don't care about spoilers. As long as we just warn the audience okay. about spoilers, then yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Spoilers, folks. But uh, um, you do find out eventually that none of these people are just naturally super beings. It's just a pharmaceutical company, Vought, created this drug that they would they tested on babies 
in order to try to create a a people of with superhero abilities and so all of these people who develop superpowers later on just feel like they're special but they're not their parents just took a whack of money in order to let their babies be tested on with quote-unquote super drugs so it's um and, and so then vots actually sort of in control and then the drugs were released to other countries to kind of create supervillains so that they do still need definitely need those superheroes in order to be able to fight the supervillains so they kind of create this created this whole thing for the sake of profit um which may be part of what uh lord valor's talking about with things that seemed like they could be very much on their nose and things that could definitely happen in real life that felt like it was you know i, I couldn't help but shake my head at it but it, i was shaking my head at it because it's like man that's I feel like that's exactly the sort of thing that would happen in real life if somebody was able to make something that made people powerful. It would just probably play out almost exactly like this. So, so I would just agree with uh, Lord Valor again on the character development. I thought it was pretty, pretty good over the. It's nice to see the characters evolve over the couple of seasons, but I just the the main character Butcher. I feel like he needs to uh, evolve a bit more because he kind of keeps. He seems like he's going to evolve and he goes back to his old, you know back to the way he was every single time. And then he looks like he's going to evolve and then goes back again. And then just keeps messing everything up along the way. I do find that when I'm watching TV shows and there's a character that is one note, it starts to get really annoying. And I think mm -hmm. it's because I find it boring. Like when they're on screen, you know, yeah. you don't necessarily know what they're going to say, but you know, the tone it's going to have and you know, the overall message, which is like me, me, me all the time, me, or like insert trope here and you're just like oh god like yeah. i just okay i get it you're the selfish friend like but could you add a little <laughs> nuance to this so that i don't know exactly you know i don't want to be watching a sitcom from the 90s in 2023 you know like i i want yeah. <laughs> characters to have a little bit more than that um and and yeah. that's you know and again sometimes shows like the boys take longer to, to deliver that but um I think that when you have a show that violent, you end up turning off people that just don't want to stick through turning people into paste, like visually on screen. Um, yeah. And it was the same thing. I never did finish Invincible because I, I just like, I just got tired of like these long drawn out violent scenes. And like, I thought the characters were interesting, but I just, it's like, I, you, you don't make me care enough. It's the same with Vox yeah. Machina, which is now back with a second season on Amazon prime. Those that like it, love it. But I just, I'll I'd rather watch something that takes itself just a little bit more seriously um, and mm -hmm. and not have to deal with like the gnome making another phallic joke like because again it's one note <laughs> like I just because and, and the thing is like and they're so they're forced into situations where that's a really touching moment between these two characters look at the giant penis it's like oh my god like could you just give it a rest for just a, a nanosecond and I don't know what it is about <laughs> that kind of humor but i find that once people find their audience for that they never let it go like it's just this constant oh, the double oh, down. yeah that's what i mean and i just i and that's what i was like well i the sh and therefore the show to me the characters just never evolve so uh, that's where i mm. check out but um but good yeah. to know that that someone that heard our opinions on the civil cafe years ago literally that's a weird thing to say uh, and then, and yeah. <laughs> then, you know, went back and, and decided to check out the show, despite the mixed feelings shared on the podcast. That's cool. I'm I'm glad that you found something through the yeah. show. I always, it's always nice to hear when, you know, 
someone that follows my Minecraft content has been inspired to go play or play with their kid or learn more about Minecraft or try something new. And it's always really cool when, you know, we can get feedback from people in the community on the Citadel Cafe to say like, I'd never heard of this until you guys were talking about it. And oh my gosh, like yeah. I can't, I am just as much in love with this show as you guys are. Or I, uh, I'll hear other things where, you know, it'll be people chiming in saying like, yeah, I hated that too. <laughs> like it was, you know, thanks so much for your sharing your thoughts on, on this show. I'm glad I'm not alone. Like you, like say you, let's say yeah. you and I really don't like something, but the rest of pop culture just adores it. And there's another person out there. There's like, I hate this and I feel left out and weird that I don't like this, but then they hear you and I going like, no, no, don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. And there are two other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like one of us, one of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that's always really cool. So yeah, keep keep the emails coming, folks. Really appreciate them. Once again, that's thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. And speaking of spoilers, I want to give another spoiler warning. Finally, Stephen and I have <laughs> the one. opportunity to talk about Wakanda Forever. It was released on Disney Plus on February 1st, a week ago. I'm hoping that people that were champing at the bit to see it have already seen it uh, and us having a week between its release and this podcast will be enough for the people really looking to go see it um, enough time. If not, stop now, because there is not going to be a way to talk about this without spoiling key moments, uh, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I would hate to ruin it uh, for anybody that has been looking forward to it. So press pause, go mm -hmm. watch the movie, and then come back and join us. And I will say, as a big blanket statement, do watch it, worth watching, not not one to miss for all kinds of reasons. Um, I, it's not in my top 10, I don't think, for Marvel movies. Um, but no. I I did I did enjoy the overall experience. And I want to start by saying, I don't think the filmmakers had an easy task figuring out where to take Black Panther after Chadwick Boseman unfortunately died. I think you said it was 20, 2020? Oh, 100%. When did he pass away? 20, 2020. 2020, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, he died of colon cancer, I think. Um, which is just such a shame because he was younger than both of yeah. us, I think, uh, and and gone quick uh, from the release yeah. of the first Black Panther. I think he had one other role and then he passed away. And it's uh, it's just really unfortunate to lose an artist like that. You know, great actor, obviously a, a loved role, but also like what he was doing for, you know, the black community in Hollywood and and his role in in wakanda and and um, black panther not just as the lead but like as you know a leader within the the filmmaking community mm -hmm. and it's just such a shame and he seemed beloved by anybody who knew him it's just just it seems so rare to hear um in the hollywood circles but i i've never ever read or heard an ill word against the man no, no, exactly. And I, and I, I think that speaks a lot to, to his character, you know, and, and I think that yeah. they, I think they did him justice in terms of how they handled, uh, the death of T'Challa. Uh, and cause they don't pretend like he was alive. They don't do any flashbacks. They, yeah. they show some, some clips of, of Bozeman, um, from the first Black Panther film. And I think maybe. I don't know if they got into any of the the Avengers crossover. I think most of the footage was from the first Black Panther, but but it's all none of the C, there's no CG. They're not trying to bring back you know moments that don't exist. It's just 
characters yeah. m- remembering things and they're remembering things that you also have seen as an audience, which I thought that was really cool. And they don't pull any punches. That's the yeah. first 15 minutes of, of the film. No, I thought they handled it really well as well. I thought it was a classy, like even the, um, the intro I thought was just a really classy tribute to him as, to him as well, because, you know, in, in the, as he's passed away, then, then they usually have all of the Marvel comic book overlays as the words, you know, um, as the words come up at the beginning of the credits, but it was all Chadwick Boseman scene, um, shots and scenes and pieces of script that he spoke in the background and going in the background and stuff. And it was, had this kind of hue of, uh, hue of purple to it as opposed to red. So it just felt it was very, it just, just thought it was classy. It was a really, really nice way to start off the movie. Yeah, it was definitely on brand. I feel like Marvel did that when um, Stan Lee passed away too. They had it was brightly colored, yeah. but it was all kind of like it was all Stanley cameos. I think in within the letters of the Marvel logo as it was <laughs> as it was yeah. forming. So the movie opens with a really tense scene of Shuri trying to fabricate the heart shaped herb, and I didn't know what mm-hmm. the hell she was doing. I thought she was trying to make a heart valve, and I was like, "What is she trying oh. to do?" I couldn't understand what they were saying because of the accent. And I didn't remember that all of the heart, the heart shaped herb from the first Black Panther was destroyed. Didn't, didn't remember that. So I was like, what? I was confused for the longest time. It wasn't until someone Mm -hmm. else said the word later in the film. I was like, oh, heart shaped herb. Oh, I remember that now. I was lost for the first act. I was like, I don't understand what the hell's going on. Um, but it, um, once it clicked, I was like, oh, that's what she was trying to synthesize. I understand it now. And I think while I applaud a lot of the, the Marvel stuff for not like over explaining what's happening in terms of the science, unfortunately, I think now post Endgame, there is some serious advanced technology happening in the world of Marvel and Wakanda has always been miles ahead Mm -hmm. of everybody anyway. And I feel like they kind of glaze over it a little bit too much. Like there used to be those cool nerdy scenes when like Shuri was explaining to T'Challa what the hell was going on with like the suit or whatever. And so you, the audience understood what was going on, but without that conversation, it just kind of was lost on me. What the heck was going on? Yeah. I guess it's the expectation that you've seen them all already and you remember right. them all. Yeah. All 20 films in my brain. Sure. Nope. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. No problem. I, mean, I think I've only ever seen Black Panther twice. Like I think I saw it in theater and then I saw it again when it was released on Disney Plus or whenever I had the opportunity. I may have seen it three times. It's it's my favorite standalone film of the bunch. Oh yeah. Oh, it's very good. I'd say. Yeah. Very, very good. I'm going to start with a couple of things that I... I feel kept me from pushing this into my top 10 because overall, I think emotionally um, in terms of like what they were trying to set out to do, I think they did a really, really good job. And that's why I like mm-hmm. the movie, but there were things that kind of like pulled me back to say like, well, I don't love it. And I think a lot of it had to do with some plot bits that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I feel like Namor, the villain in the film really kind of missed the mark. I, did you find him a good villain? I didn't mind him as a character on his own. Um, but I don't, you know, having a flying immortal godlike person being the leader of underwater people felt <laughs> right. Disconnected. Yeah. Like they, they, they talk about later in the story about because he's underwater, 
an underwater person as well. He can breathe through his skin and, and stuff like that. But it just felt like there was like, why does, why does he fly around? <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, I think he would have been, I, I actually liked him as a character. I thought he was pretty darn cool, but just, you know, who he was representing or the, the, the people that he was representing, he didn't seem like, you know, he was, it wasn't, it wasn't somebody like, T'Challa, one of the Wakandans representing the Wakandans, it felt like it was this flying god because he can fly and breathe above water and therefore more powerful than the water people. He's their leader, not because he's one of them leading them forward, but because he's superior to them and can do all the things that they can't. That's why he's their leader. It just felt like a weird, I don't know. I liked him, but felt like how they had him in it was odd. There's a power balance there or a power trip, I guess, might be the better way to say it, because I felt the same way. I was just like, what? but he's and he's not even a god like he says it himself. And I think this might be the first time in the Marvel Universe they've used the word mutant, perhaps. Um, oh, because he calls himself he calls himself a mutant because from what we've learned, th- his people uh, and him uh, were changed by mixing a uh a drink i think out of a plant that grew from a rock that had vibranium in it from like ages ago like mayan temples sort of like 1500 bc or 1500 i can't remember what they said yeah i think the bracelet that they were talking about was from that time and and it was his mother's yeah it was hundreds of years anyway yeah yeah exactly if not a thousand and and so he was her mother was pregnant with him at the time when she took this this tonic and it allowed them to breathe underwater, but it stopped them from breathing the air. And sorry, it wasn't BC. It was um, around the time that the Europeans were conquering South America because they brought smallpox. That was part of the part of right. The I think pl- they said sixteen hundreds or sixteen hundreds. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, they escape the smallpox by going underwater, where they can't get sick and they can breathe underwater because of this. This and they turn blue because of the the, vibra- the vibranium in this in this plant. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He's not blue because he was in the womb. And so instead of being turned blue, he got wings on his feet, which makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. And what one, the fact that they actually work in the way that they do also doesn't make any sense. Like he just, he flutters his ankles and he can fly like, like Iron Man. Well, <laughs> nope. I I had issues technically with that as well. I mean, obviously he's been doing this for a while, so he's probably pretty good, but you know, when when Tony Stark was using just the foot blasters and basically has zero balance because, yeah. you know, he's being propelled into the air by his feet. Of course, they're going to want to go first and the rest of his body trail behind. It's like, yeah. how do you propel yourself forward from your feet? So. And when you say winged serpent god, I think like giant wings, fangs, like mm. snake helmet. Like I'm thinking this is going to be crazy. I don't think hummingbird. Right. Like I don't, I don't think like, Ooh, threatening. (laughs) Like they're just, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't find that all that appealing. And this could be just me not knowing the character from the comics and not having any expectations going into it. But the other thing I just found that he was kind of whispery, like whenever he was talking, he was just always really calm. And there was a minute there where I thought they could do something different with, you know, Shuri and Namor, Wakanda and Talokan like talking instead of fighting there was a Mm. couple of moments they were like this is an interesting dialogue 
This is a civil discussion. They're not screaming at one another. It's not angry acting. They're just talking politically about what the situation means to their people. But then he just turns into basically a psychopath that sees the only way to cure the world is to conquer it. Or, you know, remove, yeah. instead of instead of offering to help the people fix the world, he's just going to go over and, and rule the surface dwellers. Um, we've seen it before. Thanos, how to fix the world, kill half the people. Like it just, it didn't seem all that new. And, and yeah. I was a little bit, you know, disappointed with that. I guess so. I, I can sort of see where his rage came from, though, because as you said, they were talking. He was bringing Siri to his people to show them around, show him the world, show her the his world. Um, and it seemed like they were making, you know, great you know, you know, discourse and progress in that sense. And then Nakia comes to rescue Shuri and then it's just kills a couple of his people and then just flee. So it's basically like he brought her there to try to make that connection. But then Wakanda, and he just lumped Shuri in with that, even though he had this all this conversation with her, just into that. Just Shuri shows up, steals the 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 scientist that they want to kill, and then basically just run off. So I can sort of see that being sort of the lighting the fuse that would cause him to want to attack Wakanda. But but he lit it first. He kidnapped her first. <laughs> he didn't ask her to come. He he wanted she to asked to come. Yeah, but he wanted to, his solution was to kill the scientists. So they're trying yeah. to protect an innocent person. And instead of, you know, she has to give herself up. And it's not like they brought her in, like, as a guest. She was still a prisoner. Both of them were still a prisoner. Mm. I, I, I just, he, he tried, he kidnapped someone, tried to kill them. Wakanda tried to protect this person. Shuri goes in there trying to fix the situation. And then he's upset that someone came to rescue the princess of Wakanda. Like, uh, what did you think was going to happen? So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I find, I can see your point, but I also kind of, I don't get his motivation, especially because later on he's like, now we have to go to war with Wakanda. We have to wreak havoc on Wakanda and show them that we could smush them at any minute because they know about Talokan. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you showed them. If you didn't show them anything, then this whole movie just doesn't exist. And so there was, I found that some pot, plots like that were, were empty. But the thing that carried me through it was seeing how Shuri was going to react to all of this and all the while bottling up this rage that she has about her brother's death. And they, I, they don't say the gods. They say the ancestors, I think is what the they ancestors, say. Yeah, yeah, ancestors. And she's like, there's a line at the beginning of the movie, like, I will believe in you ancestors if you just let me succeed in saving my brother. Yeah. And she doesn't. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And so she's like, no faith, gone. And she's looking for it. And she's looking for faith in people. And she puts her faith in Namor, mistakenly. And it's just, it's, he, he flips almost moments later when she realizes oh you're not trying to fix anything you're just yet another madman that we all have to contend with oh Mm -hmm. great and you're also super strong and i don't have a black panther anymore like sweet you know you're the only you know the only thing that can stand up to you physically is a black panther and i think they did that on purpose they had to give the the villain like these superpowers in order to push you know, basically have Wakanda have no hope because no normal Wakandan can take on Namor because we saw, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He's the guy we both like. 
um, the big, the big guy, the big, um, oh, Mbaku. Mbaku, yes. Mbaku yes. goes toe to toe with Namor at one point and gets his ass handed to him with like one yeah. punch. So you're like, oh, okay. So Namor is a problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and I think that in so many ways, they demonstrate that the people of Talokan are superior in terms of oh, yeah. strength and force and could wipe out Wakanda whenever they want. Yeah, I and numbers. Yeah, and I don't know why they threaten Wakanda. Like, I don't know why, if they want Wakanda to work with them, I don't understand why they bring them to the brink and and push them so far and then somehow expect them to say, yeah, I guess we'll work with you now. Like, because Namor needs them. And, he's, and he says that, I need them. And it's like, but if you need them, wouldn't it be easier to just be friends with them and try to convince them? Like, I feel like if he needed them, I feel like the lie of what he was up to should have lasted a lot longer, right? Do you feel like we got that too early? Like he flipped, like he, it was all, sure he knew immediately after, you know, she meets him, he takes her to Telecon, they have one more conversation and she goes, oh, you're crazy. This isn't going to work. And it, mm. it just felt like it all happened in 15 minutes. It, it was longer than that, but like, it felt like it happened right away. Whereas I feel like that he's crazy reveal would have been more of like a beginning of act three sort of thing. I feel like if they paced it out, it would have been better. Yeah, I guess I didn't see him as crazy necessarily, as much as him just or delusional. In, in, in his mind, Riri had to die. I mean, we'll come back and talk about Riri Williams later because loved the intro, her intro into the MCU. But I, I felt like he was not necessarily crazy, but or I guess it depends on how you define crazy. But in his mind, it made sense to kill Riri, and he was just trying to, exp I guess in some way explain to Shuri why this is what had to happen. Mm. Um, and, in, and, you know, it's it's that age-old philosophical question, you know, kill one to save millions or, or just, you know, or every person, every single person is precious, therefore for go to war and have... <laughs> Yeah. maybe millions of people die it's just and and that's um, reflected that's reflected in in shuri's journey as well right you know with yeah. the final battle with namor and her choice that she has to make and and the people that she listens to you know when when she has the up when she's up against the wall and has to make that choice thinking yeah. she's going to go one way and then she goes the other um which again like i'm glad they did it that way i'm glad they didn't make her bad or anything like that but i yeah. also kind of thought like well you know she's not going to kill him right like it's a marvel movie like the the hero has to be hero you know you have to be good you have to be a good person uh and i i did enjoy um where they took shuri and the only real i think hang up for her arc throughout the movie was a bit of one track pony through the second act where she was just basically like angry shuri all the time and yeah. it wasn't going anywhere. And let's go to war, Shuri. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that that was just a little long in the tooth, but it was, I think, justified by the the transitions later on, the the balance that was struck later on. Yeah, they gave you a window into her inner turmoil later in the movie that made you kind of like forgive how long the angry Shuri stuff lasted. But had you known a little bit more, it wouldn't have been such a uh, a slog. Um, yeah. I also chalked that up to how long the movie was. It was almost three hours, so that that kind of felt long anyway. Like I didn't finish it in one sitting. I had to I had to pause it. <laughs> I had to go. I had to go do something. I think I had to eat dinner or whatever. Like I just I couldn't finish it all at once. Um, 
but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me that, that made me feel, I don't want to say it was like necessarily, well, no, Namor was bad. Um, but I found it confusing. Like I, there was choices that yeah. were made where I just didn't understand why they were making it. The other thing was a much smaller section of the movie, but I feel an unfortunate kind of like waste of time was I really like Everett Ross. I'm a Martin yeah, Freeman fan anyway. <laughs> and too. he was wasted on a movie long phone call. That's all he did. He was on the phone the entire time. And, and I just felt like he yeah. was avoiding his boss or pretending to work with his boss who was pretending to double triple quadruple cross him i just it just didn't and his boss is his ex-wife like i just there was all this stuff that had absolutely well he had yeah more, he had something to bear because he was communicating the u.s political position on what was happening in wakanda without having to go to showing like the president and the you know all the council and like doing all these big white house shots which would take away i think from the central conflict with wakanda um and they cover that in the plot by Nimor saying, if you sell, tell anybody we exist, I will just wipe you off the face of the planet. It's like, well, because sure. Okay. Like that makes this even easier. Thanks for making it so easy to work with you. Um, mm -hmm. So, so we get a lot of these phone conversations with, with Everett Ross and I found him funny in some situations, but a lot of the time he's dealing with uh, Valentina de Fontaine, who I despise. I, it's a terrible character. The writing is terrible. Julie Louis-Dreyfus phones in the performance. I did not enjoy a second of them on screen together. It just felt like forced sitcom bullshit to huh. an otherwise uh, like serious film, right? Like there was yeah. war, there was loss, there was grief. There was trying to figure out who you are when you've lost everyone and everything. Like there was a lot going on in this film and I appreciated the humor moments. Don't get me wrong. There are some wonderful light moments with Shuri and Akoya, which I cackled at some of them. They're really well-timed. Uh, but but the rest of it with Martin Freeman and Julia Louis-Dreyfus just fell flat. And I I don't want more of the character. I hope Marvel shelves it. <laughs> like I just find oh. a way to not deal with it. I just can't stand her. She's going to be around for a while. I was going to say, um, I, I didn't mind it much i see it it was i guess almost didn't notice it much because there just it didn't seem very significant to this to move the movie line so my brain just didn't kind of process it as neither important nor wasting my time it was just one of the things that was thrown in but it's i think it, it felt like it was thrown in specifically to tie into later movies because right. she's going to be yeah. putting together like mm -hmm. marvel's suicide squad um, right i forget okay. what that movie's called but basically you know bucky and um, the new Captain America, who's not Captain America anymore, U.S. agent, and then a handful of other kind of misfits are going to be kind of under her command in either a movie or a TV show going forward. I believe. I'll have to go back and check. It's been a while since I've read that, but that's they're kind of like, that's what that's leading to. So that's that's the tie into other movies right there. It's the Thunderbolts, right? Right, Thunderbolts. Thank you. Yeah, and it's got... Um... I'm blanking on her name and uh, it's um the black widow's sister. Yelena is, is the character's name. Right. Yelena. Um, yeah. yeah Bucky but Barnes, like... John Walker and red guardian is the name of red guardian. Um, right. Of Yelena's dad. Yeah. 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 Marvel's suicide squad. 
So those are the only real big complaints that I have. The rest of the things that I have to say about the movie are pretty positive. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm kind of in the didn't care either way about Riri Williams. So you obviously have a different opinion because you know who she is. So like what like what about Riri was so exciting for you? Well, I just I haven't been able to get through the comics as much as I would have liked, but I just thought I just liked the idea of her as a character. Um I enjoyed her in the comics that I did read where she's basically this you know, a young, brilliant, um, not even a scientist, I guess. They call her the scientist in this because that's what they believe she is. But she's just, she's a kid in school. And, you know, a project that she did is what put her on the radar or on, yeah, on the, kind of the uh, political world radar in terms of uh, what was the, the machine was actually able to scan for and find vibranium, which nobody thought was possible. So, I don't know. I guess for for me, just because I'd been excited about her um, for a little while, it was great to see her come in. And I just, and what had me most excited is I thought she was probably just going to be a bit part in this, just like, just, you know, one of those little things that happens to tie her into the movie, sort of the same way that uh, Charlie Cox, um, Daredevil appeared briefly in the Spider-Man movie. He just barely had a part in it, but he was in it long enough to say, hey, everyone, Daredevil's coming back to the Marvel Universe. So I thought there was going to be just a similar similar little tie-in with her to then spin off into Ironheart later on. So the fact that she was actually a significant part of the storyline, um, I really enjoyed. So uh, I, I didn't like her her final iron suit as much as I thought I would. And I thought it was kind of silly that they had her kind of hammer out parts of it. Like she was actually physically hammering metal mm. and then kind of welding cut out a heart to like we get it you're you're literally doing the iron hammering and you're literally doing the heart but then you know surety is then over there having like these nanobots create this really molded shaped thing and then it's being like spray painted as it floats in the air so it's like i don't understand why they had her hammer stuff in wakanda when they can just go hey this is what i want it to look like on the computer print it. I forget the uh, the AI's name, but they could just say print it and have the entire thing kind of nanobot created the same way they do um, um, the Black Panther suit. So it felt... And, and it didn't look like it was very mobile. It had this very um, kind of just flying mech suit, which it didn't have the same kind of mobility as Iron Man suits did. And I just figured, you know, if this thing was being designed and built in Wakanda, it would have been as as usable and as flexible and agile that's the word i was looking for as agile as iron man's suit was so those those are a couple, kind of a couple of things that kind of took me out of it but i guess going back to your question is just i was excited for her to appear in the mcu anyway so the fact that she was like i said a bigger part of the movie than i expected her to be it uh i thought it was quite i was pretty excited about that yeah i thought they kind of ham-fisted her in i and that's because i don't know who she is i don't understand why she has star tech like, I, I don't know, because Shuri even says that. They walk into her workshop, I was like, is this Stark tech? I was like, how did she get it? The last person that I saw that had Stark tech that wasn't Tony Stark before he died was Peter Parker. Yeah. Oh, she made it all, though. I, I don't know why they used Stark tech then. Like, I don't, and I don't understand, I don't understand why they have, like, another Iron Man type person that, like, I it just it doesn't make any sense because I guess I, I'm not familiar enough with the character. So I don't think they did a good enough introduction 
to kind of like bring everybody up to speed. Cause like you, I felt that everything she was doing, she's supposed to be this like genius and everything looked like it was dinky toys. It didn't, it didn't really feel super high tech. And I, I got that she was at the top of her class and that she helped develop this, you know, scanner. So I knew that was her role there. I understand why they went to protect her and I understood that role for her, but then I didn't understand why when she was, as you said, if she's going to stay and fight alongside with Wakanda, why she made her own suit. Like, why didn't Shuri just give her one? But the thing is, though, like, she, Shuri ended up sort of just giving her one anyway. Just My complaints were, like, they showed her physically hammering out a piece of metal and, like, welding, cutting out a heart. But then the final thing was a very smooth, very sleek, very oh, Wakanda-looking piece that had no traces of the thing that she was hammering or the like i didn't get a close look so i don't know if the the really awkwardly cut out heart that she made appeared on the suit anywhere but those two things that she was doing manually didn't fit the final look or aesthetic of what the wakanda does built piece was anyway so like they, it's almost like they just gave her makeshift work to do while the computer designed this super slick thing anyway it was just yeah the, the, those scenes didn't connect for me like if they had showed her hammering those things as a flashback back in the shop, like when she made her original one, like the the makeshift one from the beginning of the movie, then that would make sense, you know, showing her doing it there, but now her working on high-tech stuff in Wakanda. And now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't think that's what they did. And if that's what was in the movie and I just didn't catch it, then I'm an idiot. But I, I felt like she was hammering that literally in Wakanda. So it just, the action of her doing that did not feel like it translated over to her final suit at all. It just didn't, visually didn't make sense at all. And I feel like there was a design uh, disconnect in general in the movie. Like I found that the suits that mm. uh, Shuri was trying to push on the Kingsguard. Um, yeah, Okoye. Uh, Okoye and, and the other. Cause, and Okoye hates them, right? Rightly so. Yeah. Because they're different and they're not traditional. And she's fine with her spear in her skirt. She can still kick your ass. Like I said, I don't need a suit. Um, <laughs> but she ends up needing a suit in order to take on the, the Talakan because they a normal Wakandan is not strong enough. Despite all the tech and the training, you need to have some super abilities to yeah. fight even the average uh, person from Talakan. And those suits look weird like yeah. there's nothing about them said wakanda it looked like an amphibian predator outfit yeah. it looked like an underwater suit as opposed yeah. to a wakandan yeah. suit i felt exactly the same thing it felt very very strange it didn't it didn't feel at all traditional in a way that so much of the costume design set design as futuristic as it can be they still obviously have roots in you know african culture and and different mm -hmm. you know different walks of life and different influences and all brightly colored and i mean the bright bright colors were still there but like you're right it did feel aquatic because of how much blue and gold was in it and mm -hmm. and it just it just didn't seem i don't know it just it felt like a strange suit of armor to put on a koye just it i think on yeah. on top of on top of not ma matching anything wakandan it didn't fit her either like it no. wasn't she's so aggressive and like strong and and confident and the suit was sleek and stylish and fast and like it it she has more of a uh 
well, I just, I'll call it a strong stance. And this thing was more light on its feet, which didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I guess the more I think about it, I did, I thought they were cool looking, just did not fit. It's Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a terrible thing. It's not, it's not ugly. It was just out of place. That's a good. Good way to say it. And I think that, I mean, to talk, to talk about the suits, I thought it was really interesting what they did with Shuri um, taking on the mantle of Black Panther, which was, you know, I, th- I figured that's where the movie was going. Um, but once they got there, I was like, okay, well, they're doing it. So let's see. Because yeah. I was kind of holding out. I think we talked about this earlier in the year. Nakia. I wanted Nakia to have um, the Black Panther. And I was saying Okoye. I was like, because we that's what, it, what we saw a poster or it was a still or something like that that they showed. Yeah. I think it was a promotional artwork. And we felt that, or I felt anyway, that the Black Panther that they showed there looked slightly beefier than the actress Shirley, so that plays Shirley. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be her or not, but... It was yeah. camera tricks, man, because even in yeah. that Black Panther suit with all the digital muscles and, and extra padding even in the physical suit, she is still very skinny. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and she gets her power from the heart-shaped herb. I get it. Like, you don't need to be a big, you know, beefy person to be Black Panther. Um, and Chadwick Boseman was in good shape, but he wasn't like a big brick. Like, he's an athlete, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and I, But I, I did find it very funny that she's like spinning around and kicking the snot out of people. And she looks like she's going to break her arm when she punches somebody. It's such a, it, she's <laughs> such a skinny looking, uh, I, I, I know, Black Panther, superhero. And I just kept on thinking she looked like a little black kitty cat because <laughs> she's just such a small <laughs> person. Um, but I yeah. liked the suit. The suit looked cool. It didn't look anything like T'Challa's. Uh, it, it took in like, well, one, she's, you know, girl. So it's got a, a much different lines and much different fit, but it's also just, it has all these gold accents. And I thought that was really interesting and something mm. that they did that was very, very unexpected and something I thought, oh, okay, points for being different here. Cause when she had her vision after taking the heart shape herb, she saw Killmonger, um, Michael B. Jordan. Which I I don't think that was announced. I think that was a secret, because uh, I've heard nothing about that before I went went in to watch it, and I really mm. enjoyed the fact that because of her heart being filled with vengeance and revenge and anger, that that's who she saw yeah. when she went for her visions, and it was almost like a warning. It was kind of like the three spirits of Christmas Carol, you know, like warning Scrooge <laughs> about what's to come if you stay on this path. And I, I get it. Like I, and he wasn't like an asshole about it. He was still him. He was still, yeah. he was still, um, Killmonger, but he was warning her essentially letting her know like, yeah, let's do it. Like you want to be just like me, let's go. And she, and it was essentially to say like, no, don't kill Namor because <laughs> you will end up kind of like dark side, you know, light side, yeah, dark side of the force, true. you know? And, and I thought that that was really well done. And, and, because of that though, like her suit had gold accents on it. And I was like, that is, it's really sharp that they did that because it further separates her from T'Challa. Uh, mm. And the and she's farther away from the path that he was walking. And I thought that they did a really, really good job with that. And and I think that overall, um, Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri, did a really good job. Like they, Me too. She, she got handed a lot, like a lot in this movie. And, yeah. and she handled it very very well from and you 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 get more from it in the the final act like when she becomes the black panther when she has all of these emotions that she has to deal with and including the wrap up scene i thought that that is where they really brought it home and 
like I said, that long second act of angry Shuri kind of, <laughs> you got to pay off with a lot more depth to the character. You, 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 she returned to the likable character that you knew from the first Wakanda movie, right? From the first right. Black Panther. I don't know why I call it the Wakanda movie. Probably because this is called Wakanda Forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like she, they, they got her back to a likable character. And I think that's what they lost mid movie for me was like, I didn't really like her. And, and I understood that a lot of bad shit happened to her, but like, I just didn't really like her. Uh, yeah. and until the end again. And, and then you realize that, you know, that she's coming kind of full circle. Not a terrible arc to have her go to unlikable and come back. No, 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 no. I, I just, the thing is that I feel like, unfortunately I've lost faith in a lot of modern filmmaking. And I got to remember that Marvel, you know, is still really good at this. I think though, when they're missing the mark on some of their TV shows and when, um, some films like, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness are not landing well with me that mm. I'm, I start to just like, don't do it. Marvel. Like, are you going to go down this? I don't like Siri anymore road for like this whole film. Cause I expect them to. So I'm surprised right. when they stick the landing and I shouldn't be. And I think that that's, that's, I guess maybe on me, but I think it's also just a track record that, that modern cinema has. It's not just at Marvel's feet. It's a lot of other movies too. Anyway, really enjoyed, you know, the full circle, especially, um, the end when, um, she finally gets her piece. There's a scene with her and her mom mm. early on where her mom's trying to get her to be at peace and speak with the ancestors and go through the stages of grieving to make sure she can get over her brother's death, which she, she is obviously clinging to. And, um, she gets there in the end. Unfortunately, during the course of the film, um, Queen Ramonda also dies and yeah. so she's, she's, no, that was she, unexpected. Yeah, that was unexpected. And we can get to that in a second, but, but Shuri at the end with, uh, Nakia, uh, has a really nice landing. You know, she, uh, gets to remember T'Challa. She goes through the grieving process. She burns the burial cost, not costume, she, burial robes that she wore at the funeral. All of these ritualistic things that kind of bring her to a state of mind where she's accepting the fact that her brother has died and she has to move on and in that moment uh nakia brings out her son mm -hmm. and there's already been kind of a clear mention that nakia and t'challa had a relationship in between you know um, black panther and wakanda forever and the moment that nakia brings out her son you realize that it's t'challa's kid right yeah. like you have to be a stone dumb not to to catch it right away yeah, before so she even says anything yeah so there's no there's no big reveal later on when she says the name it's more about anticipating what shuri's reaction is going to be and one of my favorite things and i think something that speaks to the turning of the character in shuri throughout the film is i think it's the first thing she asks nakia is did my mother meet him <laughs> it's not yeah. like it's because because Nakia answers all the questions that she's going to have immediately. Like, why didn't you tell anybody? How come you guys didn't come to the funeral? Like all that kind of stuff. Nakia gives that all in a monologue. She she doesn't have to ans ask those questions anymore. But the first thing that she asks is not a selfish question. It's asking about her mom. And I thought that yeah. was like, okay, full circle. Shuri is back. She has a much broader perspective on everything now. And that moment just before when she was remembering T'Challa, I thought was kind of like a really great way for 
Marvel to help and remember Chadwick Boseman with the yeah. audience. There's no Great music. Little tribute. Yeah, no music. It was all just scenes of usually um, Shuri and, and T'Challa together um, yeah. doing different things, doing different cool, fun, smiley things. It wasn't all sad. I mean, it was yeah. sad because he was gone, but it wasn't like sad, sad stuff. Yeah, their own sibling handshake and stuff. That yeah, stuff time. like that. And I and I I thought that they handled that very 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 well. And, Me too. Uh, it was a great kind of like close to to the film. So that that to me was just like when it ends on a note like that, despite the fact that I had a lot of grievances with the plot and the villain and some of the motivation, I could kind of cling to Shuri's character arc and be like, okay, that that bumpy ride in the middle was worth it because. Mm-hmm. It got us to here in the end. And you can sort of see what Marvel's trying to do because Nakia reveals that that um, obviously th- the kid is also named T'Challa uh, and and is the heir to the throne. So he is the rightful king, I guess, of Wakanda. I've got a funny feeling that Marvel is setting up the return to Black Panther down the line where yeah. we'll end up with an adult son of T'Challa interesting though i hope they don't fast forward to that too quickly because i think in, in the movie at the end or if you saw the first one then there was the scene where t'challa fought mbaku um to be i'm pretty sure it was to be i'm trying to remember now king the ruler king. or the yeah. the king um and so at the end of this movie they had the same thing where there's the the battle that was supposed to take place on the waterfall but it was supposed to be Basically, I assume Shuri and someone else. So when the the ship opened and Mbaku came out and basically challenged, it's setting him up to be the king of Wakanda right now and allowing Shuri to just be, you know, Princess Shuri, but the Black Panther. So I, I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do in terms of lineage from there on in. Is is like their agreement that he's just going to rule for now until she's old enough to take over, or or what what does that mean, kind of thing? So it's uh, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. I think that the Black Panther is going to have a role in future Avengers movies as they roll into new, new Avengers memberships. And I think that they want to have the black Panther be part of that. So by freeing Shuri up from having to always be in Wakanda, I think that that means that you don't have to constantly make up reasons as to why she's not there ruling the country. You know, I think it frees her up for more, more stuff, which is cool. Uh, and I, I think that there will be an interesting return, but I like, I like Mbaku a lot. I, some of the laughs, the, again, the good humor in this, movie <laughs> Every, i because the more i dislike Daymor, the more they showed scenes of mbaku going like kill the fish man i'm just like yes <laughs> kill the fish man i like this guy <laughs> that guy's screen presence he just i mean he's enormous anyway like especially yes, when they juxtap- juxtapose dude. him next to uh or juxtaposition him next to shirty like she's tiny and he's massive but they've got these scenes together so he's just he's just hulking over her but just the lines that he gives like you, you're right they're funny but it's just like Winston Duke, he's just his presence on screen. I feel like I could watch his character all day. Just his lines, the pauses he takes, the way he delivers it. He's just it's bang on. And I love that he came in <laughs> the first time we saw him in this movie. He comes walking in eating a carrot, which is sort of like one of those joke throwbacks to Black Panther 1 when he threatened to eat their children. But he goes, just kidding. Or, you know, we're vegetarians, basically. So that's a little throwback <laughs> to the vegetarian lines. I thought that was funny. The only other, I guess, character that I want to touch on is um, Queen Ramonda, who mm. 
I thought had a really stoic presence throughout the whole thing. Oh my goodness. Again, through the same issues that Shiri is dealing with, she's dealing with the death of her son, the death of the prince. She's now the queen, so she can't even really grieve because she's got to rule. Like there's all this stuff that has to happen. Then she's got to deal with Namor who shows up and threatens her. And she's got to deal with the, um, it wasn't the United Nations. It was NATO, I think. I can't remember exactly I don't remember what meeting it was. There was some political meeting in the, one of the first scenes of the movie and she had to deal with it. Um, and deals with it in a very forceful, but she deals with it in the right way. Instead of killing people trying to steal, you know, stuff from Wakanda, she captures them and then dumps them back you know, in the faces of yeah. the people that sent them. Like, you sent these suckers to try to steal from me. Here they are, returned to you, alive. They didn't yeah. have to be, but here they are. Like just that kind yeah. of stuff. And I thought that was that was really, really well done. Me too, because it was France basically accusing her of not being forthcoming and sharing the resources. Yeah. And then that she was dangerous and Wakanda can't be trusted. Meanwhile, yeah, Ramonda brings her soldiers in and dumps them in right in front of her and says, I think she said, you're welcome. Yeah, je vous en prie. Yeah, je vous en prie. Just, you're welcome. So just basically, here are your soldiers back. But holy smokes, though, Angela Bassett. Jeez, what a performance. I understand that she did a good job. I don't. Is is she up for an Oscar for it? Is that the buzz? Well, she won the Golden Globe for their won the Golden the Globe. I I thought Shuri was a better, but I guess it's supporting actor, is it? That's what she was nominated for. Yeah, I just right. I don't know. I I got I honestly got chills when she basically relieved Okoye from her role. I just she just mm. I don't. Know, I thought it was pretty powerful. So then she her performance was powerful, and she looked. I don't say that she looked jacked, but man, she looked in like she was in wicked shape. Oh, she's in phenomenal shape. She's a stunning yeah. woman. Like, don't yeah, don't. Go, I'm not. I'm not saying the performance was bad at all. Oh yeah, no, I know. I just, I, it didn't strike me. It didn't strike me as a runaway. Oh my gosh, you know, nominate, you know, for for best best supporting. I was just like, it was fantastic, but I did, I didn't think about it as, oh. in that kind of way. Um, oh, I thought it was great. I think it's just because she's upset the whole movie. <laughs> like she's not the, the woman yeah. doesn't have a moment's peace. Um, which I mean, and to, to tip to everybody in the film, everyone, um, that, that is in a, one of these main roles, anybody that had a relationship with T'Challa, it's just intense. The whole mm. thing is just intense emotions the entire time. Yeah. And that How has you to not have been, feel them? <laughs> oh my God. Akoya, like a, you, you must, it must've been exhausting as an actor to, to <laughs> no work. Kidding. I mean, in a good way, cause you know, you're doing a good thing and you're, you know, you're expressing all these things and what, but like just from a, a, a job standpoint to go home at the end of the day, even though you've enjoyed what you've done, it must be, you just must be fucking done. Like you just must be absolutely exhausted because again, like. I think all of the performances from the main the main crew, Nakia as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Ramonda Nakia scenes. Like I thought those were really well done. Yeah, me too. Actually, fun little thing. I because I was able to go back and watch. I saw this in theater, so because I was able to go back and watch it a second time before we chatted tonight. Uh, when Queen Ramonda visited the Haitian school, when she went to see Nakia that time to ask her help. Yes, yeah. There were three little kids that came up to greet her and basically asked her, "Are you here to see the headmistress?" The little boy was actually... Oh, was it? Young Prince T'Challa. Yeah. T'Challa, okay. As soon as he ran up, I went, oh my goodness, I've seen him before. <laughs> so it was kind of a nice little intro halfway through the movie that, you know, we, we didn't know who he was at first, but it was... No. That's probably why they gave him the line, because he was already an actor in the movie. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember. Did she... Did... Did Ramonda react to him? Did she, They like, didn't make it obvious. Yeah, because I kind of wonder, because you would think that she would be looking into like her grandson's eyes going like, you look like my son. 
when he mm. was 10, <laughs> you know, like you'd think that that would be something that, that they would have, I, I do want to watch it again to kind of take in a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just overall, like, again, at the top of, of this section, we just said, watch it a hundred percent. Watch yeah, it. I, I absolutely. know we've got, we've got some, you know, problems with it, but it's not, none of them break the movie. It doesn't, it doesn't make you want to say like, you know, don't watch it. I think you and I need to get into the habit of preface. I think this is probably like the sixth time you and I have done this. We just, we need to start prefacing it. Okay. We're going to crap on this a little bit, but only because we liked it. And wish that these parts had been addressed to make it perfect. So yeah, oh yeah, or I should say at least myself, I, I have a, ha- a habit of picking on picking on the little things. If we're putting like Infinity War and Endgame at like the nine, the nine ten out of ten, I mean, I'm putting you know Wakanda Forever at a solid seven, seven and a half. Yeah, you know, like it's it's up there, but it's it's like you said, it's it's just it's a balance thing, and when you like something and like the characters this much and I think there's a, you know, a lot of the fandom obviously have, you know, wanted to see some sort of love letter to, to, to Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa, of course, yeah. you know, and, and I think that they did that in the best way that they could, because there's only so much you can do when the actor unfortunately has, has passed away. But I, I think yeah. they did, a, you know, a bang up job for all the things that they set out to do, you know, in that respect, in terms of like Shuri, Ramonda, T'Challa and Okoye. I think they, they yeah. really, really nailed it. We're going to move on to the internet minute to wrap this up. That is of course brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. You can get access to the member only discord and access to things like the Bristicut bonus audio sessions. Special thanks out to Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thanks so much for your support of this episode. Patron count is at 28. That's up one from the last time we recorded. Our goal each time we record is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode. If you would like to be patron number 29, zoning in on that big three zero, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And as I teased at the top of the show, we've got Lego to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> this is your surprised face. I can I can hear it. It's the Lego minute. <laughs> I can hear it through the podcast that you are <laughs> aghast that Stephen and I are going to talk about not one but two Lego sets, uh, one of which was just released this week. If you got seven hundred dollars Canadian to spare and you happen to be a diehard Lord of the Rings fan, then you should check out the Lord of the Rings Rivendell set that just dropped. It is mm. available for pre order. I think sometime soon. Uh, for VIP members, uh, I believe it's coming out later on this year, um, releasing March 8th, I believe. It is 6,167 pieces, includes 15 minifigures. Uh, I'm sure you can figure out who they all are. Uh, the height is 16 inches, the width is 13 inches, and the depth or length of it is 20 inches. So it's a pretty wow. large set. And it is also a, I'll call it a playset. Like it's not like a big model. It's more like a condensed, let's take a bunch of really key moments from the movie and design it into something a little bit more kind of like Lego friendly, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, it does, however, join the top 10 biggest Lego sets ever made. So it's in there with the Titanic, the Eiffel Tower, the UCE Millennium Falcon, like the AT-AT collector's edition one. There's all kinds of these large, large sets 
that are up in the, you know, like six to 10,000 pieces range. Mm. And uh, this puts it in the top 10. Uh, it is an open back set, so it's not completely finished in the round. Uh, there are lots of details from the broken Narsil, Frodo's bed, where he is you know, nursed back to health after being stabbed by the Morgul blade, uh, Elven Forge, where Narsil is reforged, tiled roofs, custom trees, streams, and waterfalls, and of course, the Council of Eldrond is, is the key centerpiece where all of your minifigs can sit around and yell at each other about who's going to take the ring back to Mordor. I'm sure there are lots of people that would be interested in in getting this as diehard Lord of the Rings fans. I've seen people on TikTok that are Lego enthusiasts and and uh, also obviously have received early copies of this to help promote it. And uh, I've not seen it put together, but the box is is pretty big. Uh, but uh, the price point for me is what I go. Oof, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know when stuff starts to come close to the cost of my rent. I'm just like, no, that's yeah. I can't justify that. Um, Especially and, in Canada, when you look at that with tax on it, you're getting close to. Mm -hmm. No, you're up there. You're very much yeah. up there. Uh, it's um, it's beautiful. It's really well done. I love the custom trees, the roofing, and, and the design. The of roof is, is really amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's really really cool. Um, I think the only thing that has me really kind of um, standoffish of uh, on it is the open back. Like I kind of wish it had a full removable roof as opposed yeah. to as opposed to like the open back because on one hand it's going to look really cool up against a wall but on the other hand oh, there's a lot of detail in those open rooms like there's frodo's bedroom there's the narsal thing there's the library there's all these different rooms that you can see on the back and it's strange that um it just doesn't look as good from from that side i don't think yeah I mean, you could have like for that price you could have dollhoused it in the sense like put a hinge on it there so you go yeah open it up yeah that would be a, I think a better, a better solution. Uh, and, uh, it, it does look like it can be displayed in different pieces. Like you don't have to assemble it. You can actually have like the council, you can have the, there's a gazebo. I think the gazebo is a famous kind of conversation between Elrond and, uh, Eowyn, I think, um, Arwen, Arwen. Uh, and so there's, there's lots of, you know, different movie moments and it's, it's very pretty. There's lots of really cool like curly detail in the architecture and like mm. minifigures, but they're stone statues, like stuff like that is, is super, super neat. I, I like all of the things you mentioned, but just looking through the different pictures there, there's actually a, a part that has running water with a couple of waterfalls and yeah, like bu a bubbling brook at the bottom. And I think the pieces they use to make that bub like the water bubbling at the end there, that's pretty slick. So the, the nice translucent blue for the water, then just, rounding the corner like it's going over another little waterfall and it's that the those bubbling pieces are pretty well thought out and the little stone bridge like really really yeah. sharp sharp stuff yeah. yeah that that looks like it leads down into the elven forge area i think like there's mm -hmm. all kinds of really cool stuff i like that they've broken the waterfall up like it doesn't go like there's a rock that kind of sticks out in between the water falls like it's just it splits it in two it's very it's again it's it's a beautiful set it's just one of those things where the way that I have my Lego and the way that I design, the way that I display it, it's just like, I, yeah, it just, it's, I think it's, it's for the <laughs> Lego collector, you know, like it's for the people yeah. that have to have every Lego set that comes out. So when you finally get that Lego room, you've always wanted. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a budget for, for <laughs> $700 Lego sets. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I misspoke. I think I call I think, I think I said it was six ninety nine. It's six sixty nine. Not that it's a huge difference, but I was $30 off. That's my pick this week for folks that are interested. It is very cool to just ogle and, and look at. And uh, I'm sure you will be seeing a lot of it on the internet soon as people start to receive it and build it. Or the people that have the promotional sets ahead of release to help um, share it are going to be talking about it soon, I'm sure. 
What's your pick this week, my friend? It is, get this, Lego. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, a Lego A-frame cabin. Uh, so it's uh, coming in at 240 bucks. A little bit, you know, pricey as well, but more of a reasonable pricey. Uh, it's a little over 2,000 pieces, 10 inches high, 9 inches wide, and 9 inches deep. I was going through the pictures of it. It's pretty darn slick. I, I actually, I've had conversations with some people, and they don't like the fact that, you know, when Lego looks smooth, because it is Lego, and they want the studs to show. But for me, I love it when they're actually able to take something that is Legos with the studs, with the building components, and then able to build something, design something and build it that conceals that in a way to make it look uh, that much more sophisticated. I think this does a pretty slick job of capturing and building an A-frame cabin. It looks pretty slick. And I think it's the, uh, I'm trying to remember where it was. The Oh, it's down at the bottom. I think it's the, the designer. Was, oh, there it is, the quote. I can't live in a real A-frame cabin, and I'm building one with Lego bricks. <laughs> I'm with you. I kind of like, I can respect a mix of, stud surface and smooth plate surface mm -hmm. uh this i think has got a good mix where you there's there's still some studs on the front and the back yeah but they're intentional exactly they're they're there not because they have to be it's because the designer wants them to be yeah. and and i think that even the studs on the roof they feel like it's like where the roof would you'd see the roof fasteners or you'd see how the metal roof is attached in a real a-frame you know like yeah. I, I feel like those are all all there uh on on purpose and um, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. It's, um, again, the price point is murder for me mm. at, at two thirty nine. um, for, for what it is, right? Like you're, you're at half the cost of the Rivendell set we just mentioned, <laughs> you know, or almost half the yeah. cost, uh, 30%. And it's, and it's, and it's a quarter of the build. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really small. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Um, and, and I think too, it's such a standalone thing. Yeah. Because it's it's not a modular, like you're not going to put this in your Lego city, right? Because it doesn't fit in your Lego city. It has to go up on the hill next to your Lego city, I guess. Like comparing it to the other set, this actually is built so that it has those roofs you can take off. So it's the, the roofs are literally detachable, which allows you to go in and see all of the detail and play with the details on the inside. That's pretty cool. It feels like a very dense, it feels like a very dense set. It's not, you're right. It's It's standalone and it's small, but it's, feel like there's a lot going on in, in this one yeah it still functions like the modular sets like all the modular sets you can take the floors off of and you can look inside for all the details and all yeah. that stuff for sure like that i mean i get that that that's how it was designed and and in a way it's similar to like the lego ideas uh blacksmith you know mm -hmm. uh where you know that doesn't fit in your lego city either but it's still a beautiful build you know and and i and has a lot of attention to detail and all that kind of stuff so these and these still have a place i think I've just come to, I guess, look at Lego sets as like, where would I even put that? You know, like, yeah. what, like how do I display that? Like, mo I mean, everything that I've got is either sci-fi, fantasy, nostalgia. Well, sci-fi nostalgia, none of it's fantasy. Uh, or like Star Wars ships, you know? And so it's all kind of like standalone, but they all kind of thematically go together. Like it makes sense that I've got an Optimus Prime and a DeLorean and an X-Wing, you know, like they all yeah. kind of speak to 80s kind of like childhood stuff. 
And meanwhile, I've got a Vespa, a Mini Cooper, and a VW van. So they're all kind of in the same... <laughs> right, exactly. I got a theme going. Yeah, you got a theme going. And subconsciously, you sort of, like, I imagine you're looking at something like the Volkswagen bus, you know, like as something that you'd like to build, like that kind of a thing, you know, whereas an yeah. A-frame may not... Well, actually, you know, an A-frame might fit what you have with the Vespa and the, and the Mini Cooper. And like, so it, it's hard to yeah. say. Like, it just, And I don't want to poo-poo anybody that likes it at all. Like, I, I don't want to sound like that. I just, I find that... When Lego price points get to where they are, you start to have to like really say, nope, I have I have to not be excited about this for good reasons, mm -hmm. you know, because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> you're just drooling over everything. And yeah. and I think that this is, um, you know, it's one of those things that there's certainly a, a lot of people out there, again, that will find this very, very appealing. Unfortunately, that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of the Sizzle Cafe. If you uh, want more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about, you can find them at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Keep those coming. We really enjoy them. Find mm -hmm. the show by name on Twitter. That's if Twitter allows us to tweet more than once a day. More <laughs> on that some other time. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and a review while you're out there too. It's one of the best ways for the podcast to reach new listeners. Word of mouth is also the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am up to online at joelduggan.com. That includes links to my other podcast about Minecraft, The Spawn Chunks, at thespawnchunks.com. You can also follow me on Twitch and social media at Joel Duggan. I'm very easy to find. Twitch is normally scheduled three days a week, but I'm, I'm hitting four to five lately. Lots of Minecraft happening and Lego on Fridays, building that NASA shuttle discovery. Stephen, where can people find you online? Um, Stephen ESC on a lot of social media, but mostly hanging out on Twitch when I can get there. And so just finished off, as I mentioned, the Mini Cooper last stream. And I'm, I'm torn. I'm either going to go into Portal 2 next because my sons have been really egging me on to do that, or I'm going to start on the Volkswagen Beetle soon. So we'll see. Twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC, and that's Stephen with a PH. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. <laughs>